Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Sam Bradford gets the snap. Gives to DeMarco Murray, left side. 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, down the sideline to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Oklahoma! One play, 65 yards to Marco Murray. Scoreless third quarter so far. Murray hurdles a man. Murray, one man to beat down the sideline. He's got speed. DeMarco Murray is gone. Touchdown, Oklahoma. The first team that runs the ball very well will win the football game. That's an echo. I love it when you said he's got speed. <laughs> Does he have speed or what? Oh, man, some good stuff. Brings back good memories. Um, I heard some excellent analysis in those highlights. Whoever runs the, the ball good will win, yeah. and that's exactly right. That's going to be the case. Um, in this game, it's been the case in all the games previously, and it'll be the case for all the games in the future until uh, six years from now whenever we switch to seven-on-seven style football. 100%, man. Yeah, that, uh, that was DeMarco Murray 15 years ago today, the hurdle and the score. October yeah. 6th has been a very good day for uh, OU history in this game. The Superman play and then DeMarco's hurdle and score, that's one of the – Two more well-known plays in the past, what, 25 years of this rivalry. So, October. Yeah. Just play this game today and you'll feel a lot better about it, huh? Play it on October 6th. No, um, that, that was a big-time run for DeMarco. And it goes without saying, but they could use an explosive play like that for a score on Saturday because, you know, even though maybe, maybe the running game has been a little bit better than what you initially think, they still just haven't had those big – Massive chunk plays for scores that we were accustomed to seeing, you know, three, four, five years ago. They just haven't been there this year. Yeah. Been more explosive than can... maybe last year, but, you know, you're, you're not popping off 50-yard runs on the reg, obviously. Right. Uh, I think that – I think there'll be plenty of opportunities there for Oklahoma in the running game. Um, here's the thing, man. Our offensive line has to play the best game they've played all year for multiple reasons. I believe you're not going to have your starting quarterback. You're going to have a backup. He needs extra protection. He needs an extra clean pocket. He also needs a ton of help from the running game. Right? And that's going to come up, come down to the offensive line. In Texas, their interior D-line is excellent. It's it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to it's the best we've seen so far, and it'll probably be the best we see the entire year. Um, they are big, they're huge, and they are physical. Now, and a hard, the guys and a on lot the of edge, uh, hard last names to pronounce, by the way. <laughs> it seems like in the middle of that <laughs> right. defense. Yeah. It, a lot of um, 
a lot of uh, um, the guy, the guys on the edge. I don't think are nearly as good, um, but the guys up front they are big. They're all well over three hundred pounds. Um, the edge guys, not in my opinion, nearly as good. And I think there's there's plenty of room for for us to have some success out on the uh, the perimeter run game inside. It's going to be tough. Like one of their guys goes six four three forty. Um, the the Coburn guy goes three forty three. He's played a lot of know? ball there too. Uh, Keandre Coburn yeah. has. He's been there a while. It feels like. Right. Yeah. He's senior. Um, and so so sweat ninety three um, three forty. I mean, those guys are gigantic. So it and really the weakness of our offensive line has been the interior. Um, you know, the center and the guards, guard area. So I think that we'll probably try and focus on some perimeter run game. I think there's, there's hay to be made out there. But you're going to have to block really well in the interior no matter what, um, protecting the quarterback. You know, a lot of the things that we do kind of start on the inside. So, yeah, it, it's, it's big on the offensive line. But, you know, we all know that. Everyone knows that. We we are we're limping into a game, both um, confidence wise and physically, with a bunch of guys banged up, and it's going to be a it's going to be a, a a day where there's going to be a bunch of guys hurting, and they're going to be playing against some really talented guys. But hey, it this this is this is the reason you do it. It's it's for these challenges. Whenever you're hurt, whenever you're banged up, whenever no one's uh, picking you to do anything, everyone's down on you. It's you where you're the go most dangerous in this together. game. Are you kidding me? That's when you should That's feel right. the most dangerous walking in the Cotton Bowl. No, I mean there there does feel like there's a lot of ifs. If OU wants to win, this has to happen. And what you said about the offensive line is true. Another if if OU's defensive ends play significantly better than they played the past couple of weeks throw the whole defensive line in for that argument. Now, like before the year started, like Texas was in a really bad spot with their offensive line because they had a couple injuries, yeah. and it's like, dang, they're going to be starting a couple true freshmen up front on the O-line. Now, granted, I haven't watched a whole lot of Kelvin Banks and Cole Hudson, how they performed this year, but Kelvin Banks, by all accounts, played pretty well against Alabama when everyone was saying, including me, that he was just going to get thrown around by Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and everyone else. I read a list today on ESPN. I don't know how accurate it is, but the top 25 true freshmen so far this year, they had Kelvin Banks as the number eight overall true freshman so far this year, and Cole Hudson right behind him at number nine. So by ESPN's rankings, those two giant question marks they had up front on the O-line have actually performed pretty well up to this point. I don't know if you've seen the same uh, thing or not. Uh, I have not. Tell me who, which one is which. Which one is uh, 54? Uh, I don't exactly. I think Banks is, he's a, the is right a tackle, guard. right? Yeah, he's a, he, yeah. he's a tackle for this team. And, okay. and Hudson's a he's, guard. Hudson is a guard for them. He's done the, – the Banks has done well. The Hudson, the right guard, is atrocious. And – that is exactly who we need to attack. If we if if we can um, if we can game plan that and blitz his gap and and put him on 
uh, or put some, some of our best talented, strongest guys on him, that's exactly what we need to do. He is not just the weak link of their offensive line, but he's one of the biggest, weakest links of their entire football team. Yeah, I guess by this, he has yet to surrender a sack this year, but that doesn't necessarily have to tell any sort of a story whatsoever. I mean, if he's been, he's been that bad. No, no, he's, he is, I mean, he's surrounded by some okay players, and, and they've, they've gotten better. This group has gotten better, but he is not good. And that's okay. I, he's a true freshman. He's been thrown to the wolves, right? I mean, not everyone, especially at the offensive line position where it's incredibly difficult, rarely do you have great guys as true freshmen. But, you know, two or three years from now, he's probably going to be an absolute stud. But right now, he is he is by far the weakest link on that offensive yeah. line. Uh, text line, let's get to as many as we can. The answer to beat Texas is to play killer canic at quarterback and defensive line. It's gotten to the point now in the text line where people are making comments about Canick, and it started as a joke here, but I feel like as we've rolled into Thursday that people are seriously like, no, 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 play him both ways. Play him at quarterback and D-line if you want to win this game. I feel like people have talked no. themselves into that. They've uh, got. There's no way they're serious. Surely not. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope not. We have what I've considered to be, uh, at times, a very smart fan base. Now, that's a big generalization because the intelligence level varies widely, okay? But as a whole, we've got a smart fan base. So I refuse to believe that anyone out there in this fan base actually actually believes that the way to beat Texas is to play a true freshman who hasn't played hardly at all this year on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Seven eight five area code. This is interesting. The size of Texas interior line, interior D line, goes against the thought of slowing down tempo. No, it doesn't. Not in my opinion. At times, is tempo good? Absolutely. But whenever you're struggling offensively and you're not moving the ball well and you're not in rhythm and your defense isn't playing good, it's not a really good time to run tempo. I mean, if, if in fact, you get into rhythm and you're completing passes and you're getting chunks in the run game and your defense is playing good, they're getting off the field and you can sustain drives and you're you know you're you're moving the chains and you're marching it I'm okay with tempo but I if all it's doing is hurrying you back over to the sideline which is that's, in my opinion it's yep. it's I don't care what their defensive line looks like I mean to me it's more of a it's more of an us problem now ultimately yeah if if you've got a defense that's big and heavy and they're not in shape and you can run circles around them, yeah. But that's that has not been the case with us so far this season. Now, execution's been a factor, and if we can execute and use that as an advantage, okay, then I'm I'm willing to to accept that because I think it is a dangerous weapon, but. Whenever you're not playing in rhythm, I, it's more 
it's it's not just a wash it's a negative against you whenever you're going tempo yeah uh, uh this is the last one of these that i'm going to read uh i mean we're, we're thursday afternoon of ou texas week i'm about to put to bed the reading of any text of any crazy quarterback situations especially ones that aren't going to happen this is the last one of the week all right the answer is to put Micah Bowens at quarterback with the heavy dose of run game and give him the Jalen Hurts package of one read and take off. There is no way Texas has prepared for that. Micah Bowens like wasn't even listed as a possibility this week. That ain't gonna happen. So we're done. We're done with the crazy quarterback scenarios. Let's let's please talk about realistic quarterback scenarios on Saturday, please. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't. I don't know about the the Micah Bowens situation. I don't know. I mean, some people are convinced that Nick Evers is like crazy athletic. If you put him in the Wildcat, and maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, but the point is this, and I think this is what everyone is saying whenever they're throwing out all these different names. We have to find some type of spark to generate some offense this week if Dylan Gabriel's not playing. And like how they do that, I don't know. But whatever it is, it needs to put the ball in your playmaker's hands and let them go to work. Yeah, I, I imagine we're going to give the ball to Mims on some quicks quite a bit, throw him some tunnels and bubbles out on the perimeter, um, you know, maybe we line up someone else at, at quarterback, a skill position guy at quarterback, and, you know, try and get an extra blocker in there and, and, and you know, get creative that way. I, I don't know what it is, but they're going to have to get creative to get the ball in their playmaker's hands and not and do it without having to rely on your backup quarterback to do it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, no, I, I agree with that. These are almost like direct snap situations, like the touch pass quicks, the hand quicks, the – reverses stuff like like you're gonna have to put it in their hands that way and and not just rely yeah, on the quarterback you're to gonna do it. like we're talking about the backup court you're gonna have to figure out a way to get marvin mims um in a high impact scenario i mean he's gonna have to be your best player offensively he might have to be the best player on the field i don't know but he's the best player you got on offense i think with the backup quarterback you're talking about tunnels and some quick stuff i like all that i think that's good just get him in space see if he can make a play i still think you're going to have a backup quarterback that's capable of throwing a deep ball. If you've got numbers, right? Like, it's probably got to be calculated a little bit, but I'm fine with Davis Bevel or General Booty or whoever it is. If you got one-on-ones on the outside with Marvin Mims, that may be what he's best at as a receiver, the deep ball, potentially. I- I'm okay with one of these backups throwing a one-on-one shot down the field. I'm okay with that if Mims is on the other side well, of that. here's the thing. I agree you Put can't you behind just, the sticks. I, I I know, but that's the only I, I problem. Yes, is, it does. It kills like, you. We couldn't afford to throw it down the field to Mims enough when Gabriel was playing quarterback because so far, like at least lately, we've been so bad when we get off schedule that it's just it absolutely kills our drives. Um, but yeah, Bevel's got a cannon, man. He has got a cannon as far as being able to, to absolutely let it rip downfield. So I'm, I'm down with that 100%, but it's got to be calculated, and you have to do it in situations where you still feel confident 
that you're going to be able to convert a first down if you don't if it's a long foul ball. Like it's going to be second and third and one, second one, third and one type of deep ball situations. Like I just I don't think you can afford to do it. I agree on on first down. I mean, you just oh that's a stoppage of the clock. You definitely can't afford to do that on first down. Like all right, let's take a chance down the field. That's got to be calculated for sure. Yep. It has to be. Uh, what else we got? Dixie and Tulsa. I hope we run, 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 and not just try and go home run to Mims every series. Have to have enough belief to not press. Yeah, I. How how many of the three running backs, your best three running backs, are available? We'll see. But I think we got to be talking about maybe a couple of those guys having the best games of their career. Eric Gray might be your yeah. second or third best offensive player right now. All of a sudden. He's going to have to look like that on Saturday if, if he's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that everyone across the board is going to have to play really well. And it's not going to be a thing, perfect man. situation for Gray either. Like He's starting to break some tackles that he hasn't or hadn't in his OU career before. Got to have more of that. He's going to have to kind of individually make some plays. On, on Saturday. You know, here's the thing, man. I I keep saying that everyone's going to have to play their best game and but ultimately I I I don't think Texas is all that great. You shouldn't. They're not. And I don't think I don't think we have to do anything special in order to beat them. Defensively, if we just get 11 guys to play the same call and to line up in the right place, I we've got a really good chance to defend them well. Uh, we'll give up some points and we'll give up some plays. They're going to make some stuff happen. There's no doubt. But if we get 11 guys playing the same call and they're all lined up right to start the snap, we're going to be in a good place. Offensively, same thing. All right. If we get everyone on the same page, we don't kill ourselves with procedure penalties, I think we'll be just fine. Like, those have been the real killers. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on here from Pryor's Pizza Kitchen in Goldsby, Oklahoma. The United States and the Ad Council. Oklahoma's terrible. I mean, oh my God. They are <laughs> terrible. I knew, so, I knew that okay. that was exactly what Okay, okay, we okay. Ended. So here's my thing. They're in trouble. This is my Nathaniel Hackett Denver Bronco thing. Oh, isn't that bad? I'm a, I'm a Bronco fan. Okay. A wolf. When you hire a coach, when you your side of the ball regresses, mm. you got a coordinator. Their defense, I don't want to hear about having to play with my guys. Their tackling is terrible. Yeah, it's there not are good. blown assignments everywhere. This is a mess. They're 109th right now in passing defense. Oklahoma is, and and the the reason I I'm concerned for them because of what you're talking about. This is supposed to be Brent Venables' identity as the defensive side. Their missed assignments and blown coverages are not just small. They are wide. They are big. Yeah, there's uh, Colin Cowherd making fun of uh, OU the past two weeks, which oddly enough, I think it was like two weeks ago today, he said OU was like the second best team in college football. So, 
That's, uh-huh. It's quite the uh, quite the heel turn there. Yeah, it is. Let me ask you a question. God, the excitement in his voice. Jeez, his, man. You can sense it. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. And this is I'm, I'm this is I'm honestly asking. I, where do people feel like like the disconnect is? I mean, everyone agreed when Venables came to Oklahoma from Clemson that he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, right? Yes. You, do you yes, agree with that? I, I do agree with that. Not, yes. not just people here. I mean, it's it, pretty much unanimous across the board. So where is the disconnect to where, like, all of a sudden he doesn't know what he's doing? Like, how, how do you – how do people kind of wrap their head around that? Um, well, text line can tell us, 405-651-3439. My guess would be that... <sighs> Do they think he's lazy? No, they Do don't they think, think he's lazy. He's, no, and, um, I, and, and I don't think stubborn is the right word either. Um, I would think that the majority of people think that... I, I don't know what the word is, to be honest with you, because I think you're going to hear a lot of differing answers. I, I, I feel like I know what the answer is. I'm just... Maybe stubborn is more of the right word for it. Like, well, why won't he just? Why won't he just play Jaron Canick? I mean, he played great in Nebraska. He was the leading tackler. I just, I don't understand. Why is he still running this three-man front? Like, clearly, it's not working. I don't get it. Why? Why not try something else? Why not? So, whatever the word for to all of that is, maybe it is stubborn. I, I guess that would be it. You, you don't. You can't really try something else. It's like um, it's like if you're if you're in a a, a NASCAR race and you go out there and the car is not running well, you can't just get a new car. You like you you adjust, you tweak, you make small little changes to it. But you kind of have to keep doing what you're doing. Like, you don't just ah, – in, in, I get so frustrated with this, and I, I think I'm – I think I fail at trying to explain it. But you, you don't – you can't, like, wholesale change what you do. You've spent an entire year – preparing and installing and practicing and developing you you can't just scrap all of that in the middle of the year and go with something else yeah i, no, I know you just you just can't do that i um and i'll say this i think that i could could you make some short-term changes somewhere maybe and you and and have a patchwork defense on a given week, perhaps, but ultimately, in the long run, to be the best that you can be defensively, you have to get good at what you do. Sure. And 
and that's what they're going to continue to well, try. Well, it's like uh, you know what we used to talk about five years ago defensively is like what do they hang their hat on? Like they're trying to do multiple and do so many things that they don't do one thing really well. Like they're at least trying to do one thing really well defensively right now is what it feels like. They're not great at it right now, but at least they're trying to – kind of at least be a base defense and what they want to be. Let, let me read some responses here. See, let me let me say one more thing, though, about that audio clip. I don't think we're a terrible tackling team. Like, tackling hasn't been our issue. Our issue has been mental mistakes and guys running entirely free all the way down the football field. I still feel like we've been a, a, a fairly solid tackling team whenever we're – Running the right defense and in the proper position where we should be. Uh, I'm going to get through about okay, five sorry. texts here. A blown coverage is not on coaches. Now, why are they blowing them? Practice? Uh, this one says, the culture is broken and the players are fragile. Brent has a plan and needs to stick it out for longer-term gains. The disconnect is that guys have been playing for three to five years and are still making the same mistakes now through two different coaching staffs. Obviously, the players are not changing their bad habits. Let me get to a couple more. Um, Fauci is running our defense, and the decision-making is very concerning. This is not a Venables-type defense. Maybe he thinks all mental mistakes, and it will eventually click. They seem to get it for three weeks. that tell us anything? Um, I don't know. What I see on film is mental breakdowns. And I I think it comes from it's comes from tunnel vision where guys aren't totally sure what they're doing and they're only like locked in on themselves and 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 and, and what they're supposed to do and they what that means is you get no communication. So you don't have guys talking on the back end to make sure hand signals, quick heads up, pointing out the, the adjustment to where, okay, I know that I'm the I'm the deep third player here because X, Y, Z, and then you look over to your buddy and you guys are all on the same page. I, there's not much of that going on right now, I think, because we've got tunnel vision and we're so we're, we're so like fixated on trying to do our thing that we kind of lose the checks and balances throughout the defense where we help one another out. Yeah, well, Texas is going to put you in – Sark's going to put you in tough spots just like you had the past two weeks. If, if there is no one doubts. good is – there, if there's one thing that Steve Sarkeesian is good at, it is window dressing, buddy. They, they do a lot of it. Yeah. Shifts, motions. Um, now, what's interesting is they when they shift – there, there's usually a purpose to it. They don't just some offenses will just open with a shift just to do it, but Sarkeesian shifts with a purpose. And what typically happens is he's setting up some type of non-standard play. There's something different about to happen whenever he shifts. It doesn't mean that it's a reverse or trick play. But it's something that is non-standard, something that's a little bit different that you only do a handful of times a game. Uh, by the way, Parker Thune just tweeted out, Source, hashtag Sooners linebacker Shane Witter is out for the season due to a left shoulder injury. 
leaving Oklahoma with just four active scholarship linebackers. So, mm. if the injury news couldn't get any worse, there's uh, there's Witter out for the year. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope we stay healthy at that spot. Hmm. That's tough. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at. Uh, Pryor's Pizza Kitchen here in Goldsby, a beautiful spot right here at the the entrance of the Selah uh, development that's going on, new urbanism development, 540 acres, going to have tons of properties going up, mixed use, there's going to be commercial in here, there's going to be some different event centers, community spaces, this place is awesome, pickleball courts here, we've got uh, cornhole, we've got ping pong outside, the setting outside is beautiful. Fire pits everywhere. It's rustic. You're out in the country. It's so cool. You got to come hang out at this place. Check it out over the weekend. Perfect place to come hang out, watch football all day. We'll be back. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, um, I guess the uh, the first thing is <laughs> the, uh, the Texas A&M-Alabama situation. And uh, I guess the quarterback hit that they've taken with Max Johnson is – I don't know. That's going to be something for him. Um, Does it change anything? No, not necessarily. I think that obviously the Alabama's is way better. And (laughs) this is uh, just, I guess, another addition to the the, uh, drama that's unfolded down there. But... um, Haynes King ain't it, ready it, for uh, T-Town yeah, in prime time. It's, a, it's about to get ugly, uh, me thinks, down uh, in Texas A&M. Yeah, and it's one of those scenarios, too, where it's like, oh, well, you got a five-star quarterback uh, as the backup. And I don't know if Connor Wigman has played it all this year, but ideally you wouldn't want to throw him in for his first-ever appearance, a road game against Alabama where they're going to try to win by 80. You know, I mean, it sounds good in theory. Like, oh, let's throw out the freshman, see what he can do. Eh, maybe not his best introduction to college football is this Saturday. Yeah, and I guess, um, I guess it looks like um, Max Johnson may be done for the yep. better part of the season. Yep. A and M is like going to have to hustle to get to six wins. I think it could be that bad. Is that a bailout? For Jimbo, that his quarterback is hurt? Um, he can try, but no one's going to be buying that the season cratered because Max Johnson, a transfer from LSU last year, had a broken hand. Like, no, that's not an excuse. He can't get away with that. Right. Well, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Um, I guess another thing that caught my eye is what I, I feel like is – it's somewhat flying under the radar, but the Pac-12, uh, there's a there's a couple of big-time games out there. Washington State and USC is a big one, but, man, 
I'm telling you, I think the winner of UCLA and Utah has a chance to be a college football playoff team. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, no one's talking about UCLA. I mean, rightfully so. There hasn't been a whole lot to talk about UCLA other than Chip Kelly being bad before this season. But I absolutely think UCLA can beat Utah out in L.A. this weekend. And if UCLA finds a way to win, I they'll be in consideration for the best team in Los Angeles, right? I mean, UCLA's schedule, yeah. if they win... It looks pretty good. They'll have to go to Oregon uh, after a bye week, which will be tough if they beat Utah. But after that, it's Stanford at home, at Arizona State, Arizona at home, and then they get that big game against USC at home. So, yeah, dude, um, at first when you said UCLA, the college football playoff, I said, eh. But if you win this weekend and can figure out a way to win in Eugene, you're kind of looking pretty sweet here. Right. You know, I initially whenever we were – you know, talking about the Pac-12 and really looking at USC's schedule just totally dismissed UCLA being on there. But now that I've – did you watch UCLA play Friday night against Washington? Yeah, I, I watched uh, about a half of that game, and it was still really close. I, I guess I, I kind of missed it when UCLA blew that one wide open, really, is the part Man, that I missed. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, they've got, they've got some players now. they got a really good running back. Um, quarterback obviously is super experienced. Um, got a stud wide receiver, uh, gigantic wide out out on the outside that does some really really cool things. Um, man, they they are, and they got some guys defensively too coming off the edge. I was really really impressed by UCLA. Hard for me to trust and, them um, though right now. I mean, it, it still is UCLA. Oh, so, absolutely. You know. One hundred percent. I totally agree with that. All right, that's all I've got. Uh, I got several here. First, loyal listener Jim in Arlington just sent us both a tweet that I can't stop laughing at. He says, "Sooner fans, don't freak out if you see a bunch of these when you get here for OU Texas this weekend. There's just new Texas license plates." And he sent a picture of two California license plates uh, driving around in Dallas. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's funny. Yep. Uh, that's Next. funny. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a there's been a lot of move-ins over the last couple of years. Brett McMurphy tweeted this out today. Uh, well, this has been this is kind of old news now because the spread is a little bit higher. Texas is a touchdown favorite versus Oklahoma, making only the fourth time in the last 21 meetings and the first time since 2009 that Texas is favored against OU. Last time Texas was a bigger favorite uh, against OU was 1998 when UT was an eight-point favorite, beat OU 34-3. So I wonder if you have to go all the way back to 1996 when Texas was a 21-point favorite, the last time they had uh, they, they were this big of a betting favorite in the game. That's how far you might have to go back now the spread's at 9.5. So what does that tell you? Does that tell you that that's how bad Oklahoma is, or does that tell you that this line right now is a mistake? This line is a mistake, and I love all the pressure on Texas in this game. And put this game in a scenario where you do apply the pressure to Texas. If you can do that, buddy, I'll start to feel pretty good about things. I, I for one, you know, especially considering what's gone on the last two weeks with us, I, I love the fact that everyone down in Austin is telling Texas 
like what a big favorite they are going into this game. And I know the staff is going to do everything in their power to fight against that. You heard Sarkeesian sounds like he's reading from a teleprompter or prepared uh, papers whenever he speaks. It's weird, but almost sounds like like a robot or something. But uh, to me, talent has not been an issue for Texas. It is like handling success. It is an overblown um, opinion of yourself. And right now, what's going on is fueling the fire. Yeah. If it makes they play anyone, well, they get a big head, and then they fall apart. It's it rinse and repeat. It's the circle That's what's of suck. There over the last yeah, couple it's years, it's the circle of yep. suck. And if it makes anyone feel better, you are facing a team on Saturday. That's lost seven out of its last nine Big 12 games. I'll repeat, Texas has lost seven of its past nine Big 12 games, and the two wins were against a Kansas State team playing with the backup quarterback last year and a West Virginia team that may be the worst in the, in the conference this year. So it is God, kind of odd that, right? that they've lost seven out of their last nine conference games, and they're probably going to be a double-digit favorite when this game gets kicked off. Now, granted, OU's lost four out of the past five of their conference games, which sucks, but at least it's not as bad as Texas coming into this thing. Yeah, we have. We've lost four. That's that's true. Four out of our last five conference games. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, wild. I uh, I got two more here. Uh, back to OU Texas. I've, I've been interested all week long to see how many people have said, oh, we're just not going to go down this year. We're going to try to sell our tickets for face. I'm looking on StubHub to see how much the tickets are and how, how much they've dropped. I'm still looking at tickets for, like, the cheapest right around 153 bucks. Now, pro tip, if you're still looking for tickets to the game, I would not go on StubHub right now and buy tickets for 153 bucks each before fees. I think that you can get tickets way cheaper, actually, down in Dallas. But as of right now, the secondary market is still, I mean, it's still hopping. I mean, the the prices are still pretty high. Holding steady. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But I don't know how long that's going to last, if we're being honest. (laughs) Just saying. Uh, Last one I have, and this is an NFL one. I know we don't talk a whole lot about NFL, but here is a sad Chicago Bears fact that I read earlier today. This is pretty interesting. Tom Brady has 23,996 career passing yards with 174 touchdowns in his 40s alone. So in his 40s, <laughs> he's passed for just under 24,000 yards and 174 touchdowns. That's 500 more yards and 20 more touchdowns than the Bears' all-time leading passer in Jay Cutler. So if Brady, playing only in his 40s, if you just took those numbers alone, he would be the Bears' leading passer in team history by a wide margin. Wow. Wow. That is... Incredible. <laughs> uh, not a shock, though. Not a shock. Man, that's uh, that's some interesting numbers. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Here from Pryor's Pizza Kitchen. We'll be at the uh, Omni Hotel in downtown Dallas tomorrow from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
giving away a whole lot of ref swag, including some uh, new t-shirts we just printed, some new buttons that we have, and of course some ref koozies as well. Uh, text line says, you guys are 100% creating the this, quote, level of confidence Texas has in this game. It's OU patter. However, your overconfidence is right on schedule. Thumbs up emoji. That is so confusing. Yeah, I was hoping that you could decipher that. I didn't really get it either. Read it again. We are doing what? You guys are 100% creating the this level of confidence Texas has in this game. It's OU patter. However, your overconfidence is right on schedule. Oh, okay. I think it means we are creating that there's just this confidence level that's existing right now in Austin about this game that's not reality. I guess that's what it's saying. Well, okay, and maybe that's maybe that's true that it doesn't exist. But what I point to is the history of Texas what they what happens to them after they play well, after they have any type of of something that you would consider success it is usually quickly followed by a massive disappointment and i i i i blame that on the fact that they they don't handle success well and there's a whole lot of patting on the back and relaxing it, yep. it's it's the circle of suck i mean it's not like it's not something that we're just coming up with out of nowhere and there's a history of it you know you you go play Alabama real real tough and you know your coach is talking about avoiding the rat poison and you're tied with UTSA 17 all at halftime it right? was 17 and, to 7 UTSA before that but yes it did end right. up being tied at halftime all right and you end up winning that game but you lose to Texas Tech for the first time since what 0809 uh going to Lubbock um and then you bounce back after after suffering like uh, a come back down to earth moment against Texas Tech. You come out and you play really good against West Virginia, and I don't know. I'm just looking at the cycle. Fairly simple. So I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say that anyone in Oklahoma is overconfident. So that part of the statement is dumb. All right. Final hour of the rush coming up next here from Pryor's Pizza Kitchen. Stay tuned. <laughs> 